<laughs> Upon the examination of the galaxies of space, images begin to appear, images of strange and powerful forces. But of all the forces in the universe, the two most powerful, Hulk, Hogan, and the ultimate warrior, prepare to explode. Champion versus champion, title for title. It's the ultimate challenge. It's WrestleMania. Okay now, from the beginning. This Wait. is a special edition of the Daily Wrestling News Show. Uh, it's a WrestleMania special. WrestleMania 6, obviously, is what we're talking about. My name is Can Ryan. I give it a try? Can I give it a try real quick? Yeah, go for it. The ultimate challenge! <laughs> That's great. My name is Ryan Joy. That is Al Carl. Uh, WrestleMania 6 is the topic of discussion today. Obviously, we set it up nicely using uh, the Vince McMahon intro to the show. <laughs> Lots of fun. Uh, again, we are the Daily Wrestling News Show. We are powered by the Eastern Observer. Uh, and as such, I need to get all my ducks in a row here. I think we should be good to go. Uh, WrestleMania special, Al, you know, the, the routine is... We do trivia up front. Um, I guess I'm going to ask you right off the bat, why why this WrestleMania? Um, I know you've kind of already done your favorite and your second favorite. Yeah. But this, is a t this is a top for, for probably both of us. So uh, what about well, this one that you like so much? Yeah, well, this one, this was my first. This was my first live WWF pay-per-view. Well, as, as watching live, I was 10 years old. Um, it shouldn't have been. I don't. I, I told the story, I believe, when I've had uh, Warrior and Hogan as my top three. Maybe it was at the Rumble. Actually, no, it was at the Rumble special. Uh, the, the Royal Rumble prior to this, the 1990 Royal Rumble, was supposed to be my first, but I got grounded because my grades were bad. So that was supposed to be my first. I missed the, the Royal Rumble. I was grounded. I was in my room crying. Um, but I, I got to see this live, and I, I was a Warrior guy. Warrior was what hooked me. Uh, on professional wrestling, and it started when I was, you know, at the the local just local shop, right? That my mother and I, you know, that she shopped at because I was so young, I had to go. Whether there was a little small little video rental um, thing where you could rent VHSs, you know, and then bring back your next visit. Um, and they had two wrestling things. They had two wrestling VHSs you could choose from, and it was SummerSlam '88 and it was WrestleMania Five, and that was it. So I, I got SummerSlam 88 first, and this maniac came out and completely dropped the honky-tonk man in about a minute to win the Intercontinental Championship, and I, I was hooked ever since then. And it, and it was all about the Warrior. It was it was never – I mean, I always liked, liked Hogan, but it was, you know, Hogan wasn't fun. Hogan always won. You know, Warrior was at least – you know, when I, worked, when I watched WrestleMania 5, Warrior lost, you know. So it was kind of like, you know, Warrior was a little bit more human than me. But uh, it was a fun show, and it was, it was my first WrestleMania Live. It was April Fool's Day, which was fun. I was with my buddy. His mother was playing a joke on us, or trying to all day, that there was a Blue Jays game the night before, and the Sky Dome caught on fire. So WrestleMania was canceled. So she was trying to pull that one over on us um, as an April Fool's Day joke, because she knew how excited me and my friend John were. Uh, not the two Johns on screen. There was a third John in my life way back when who I watched wrestling with. 
And uh, we had our local guy, uh, Tito Santana was in action. You know, Tito's lived literally, I would say right down the street, within two minutes of my house. Uh, so we were rooting for hard for Tito and, and the Warrior. And it was just, it's just, this is my childhood. This was, you know, and I watched it just like with you with the Survivor Series 1990. This, this VHS got worn out, man. I watched this over and over and over again as a kid. As you know, I said, I was 10 years old at the time. And it's just nothing but fond memories for me. This was the, the the scene at the Sky Dome. I was mesmerized by it. They had the rolling cart ring cards that they had at WrestleMania three. Um, it was just absolutely. It was it was fantastic. It, it is a great show, and we're going to get into it uh, step by step, match by match, interview by interview. There are some gems on this show. Yes. Um, but we have to start with trivia. Yes. So let's uh, let's get our trivia going okay so brutus the barber beefcake wrestled mr perfect on this show yes um and all of almost all of the trivia comes from things jesse ventura said during that match so during that match oh no okay so uh there's and then there's one i'm gonna attack on at the end i think this is the hardest trivia i've ever done but we'll see okay. So uh, you're going to get five questions. A simple majority correct gets to the W. If you win, you get the Goldberg Oscar. And if you lose, you get a Hawkins. So yeah, this is going to be fun because I did not rewatch this in preparation. We planned for this, what, like two days ago? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this was a spur of the moment thing. Like I said, I, I've watched this a million times, but quoting Jesse Ventura in that match might be, this is, this should be interesting. I like this. Good job, Brian. Okay. So, who was named sexiest man in the world? Jesse the Body said that man had his hairstyle. Your choices are Sean Connery, John Travolta, Patrick Swayze, or Gary Mahaffey. Could be Gary. Could be Gary. Yeah, it was, I think it was, it was probably Swayze. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Okay. Oh, for one. Ooh, rough start. Okay, Jesse asks Gorilla if he's going to say hi to this trio from Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. Ventura says that Gorilla says hi to them at every WrestleMania, yeah. but Gorilla reminds Jesse that it is, in fact, Jesse who says hello to this trio. Do you know it, or do I need to give you choices? Oh, uh, I... You want the choices? Something, Tyrell, and something. Give me the choices. I, I, I'll okay. know it when so I hear it. The choices are Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stump. Possible. Terry, Tyrell, and Jade. That's Terry, it. Tommy, and Jade, or Tommy, Jade, and Tori. Yeah, Terry, Tyrell, and Jade. Yep. Terry, Tyrell, and Jade. Yes. Okay. Every year, every year, that was that was a staple. You see, he said, but you know, I, I don't think Jade was there in the first. I think it was like WrestleMania, like two, you know, three or four. It was just Terry and Tyrell. I remember That's, that. Yeah, Jade didn't so. come on. I think maybe she was just born. Yep. So, what does Jesse say about the wrestling fans when they boo Mister Perfect? Your choices are: they don't have any taste. They're just jealous. Perfect doesn't care what they think. And these people should be put in jail. I, I, I can, I, when you said it, I can almost hear him saying, oh, they're just jealous monsoon. So I'll go with that one. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So two for three. What grade does Jesse say Gorilla Monsoon stopped going to school? The body reminds us that it was pretty good in Gorilla's day. Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, or ninth grade? <laughs> Door. Uh, let's go eighth grade. Let's try that. Ninth grade. Ninth grade. Ninth grade. Two for four. Now this is a tricky one. This last one. We're gonna go outside the perfect and beefcake match. The Heart Foundation 
made quick work of the Bolsheviks. Spell Bolsheviks. <laughs> B-O-L-S-H-E-V-I-K-S. <laughs> Did he look at your notes for that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're good. You get that one. So... All right, let's get into WrestleMania six proper. It's, it's phonetic, though. That's the one thing about other languages. It's not like English. Most languages are phonetic, so like that's. We'll do that. Well, you got that one right. That's pretty good for uh, just random things Jesse Ventura says during a show. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, WrestleMania six, of course, it opened with that monologue that I said in the uh, before the cold open here. Uh, it was classic, so it bears re- it bared re- uh, repeating here on the show. So that was Vince McMahon who opened the show with that, and then we wouldn't see him or hear from him again the whole show except for in the recap videos. But as you mentioned, April 1st, 1990, the first international WrestleMania coming from the Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. WWE announced a new indoor attendance record for Sky Dome, 67,678, a record that stood until WrestleMania 18 when they broke it. So uh, we have the commentary team of Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon. It was Jesse Ventura's final pay-per-view as a commentator. So it wasn't WrestleMania three ninety three thousand. So that was, that was, it wasn't okay. So 67 wasn't the, it was, that wasn't caught up. So this is the Sky Dome attendance record. Oh, Sky Dome. I'm sorry. I thought about WrestleMania. Wait a minute. They had 93. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Robert Goulet sang the national anthem, and uh, Bruce Pritchard told a nice story about Robert Goulet. Goulet, um, the Canadian. So he sang the Canadian national anthem. He had previously sung the Star Spangled Banner at a baseball game, and he botched it. And so he wasn't singing after that until this show. They got him to. They got him to perform here. So. He, they put the words up on their screen so that in case he you know missed something he would have it but um, he did not need them. Bruce was happy to report that he was just he fell right into it. Almost positive he's Canadian anyway, and I think that's the order of the, the order of things Canadian. You have to learn how to ice skate first. You get you learn O Canada second, and then you start walking. Okay. So, yeah, so I, you know, everyone, and the funny thing is, this is because I watched this so many times. I actually learned at a very young age. I I know the words to O Canada, so <laughs> it is because of Robert Goulet. I don't know if you ever saw those SNL skits with Will Ferrell. Oh, was, yeah, Goulet was yeah, that's fun. Good, yeah, I love yeah, Robert Goulet, awesome. That was a great way to kick it off. You already mentioned the little rings that they rode down to the ring and uh, down to the down to the ring. They were little carts, um, similar to what they had in WrestleMania three. But from a presentation point of view, in the Sky Dome, the Sky Dome had just opened. Um, but but back then, they didn't have the big ramp and the big stage and everything. So when you did the big wide sweeping shots, you saw just people everywhere. Yeah. So uh, to me, looking back, it's like a more impressive look actually than today when you only see like half an arena. But um, but the stage is awesome, so you have to go with that. So. Yeah, but here, when you, if you imagine that though, then you say WrestleMania 18 somehow jammed more people in the same building. They yeah. had the huge screen, you know. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's interesting how they how that mathematically works out, like physically. I think Canadians got skinnier. I think oh, that, that, that might be it. Too. Yeah, they left their hockey equipment home. Yeah, I'm sure they've rented they renovated the stadium probably in, in between, and I'm sure I would they think probably so. found yeah, them, it was more. what. 12 years, 14 years, 12 years. Yeah. 
So Jesse said, "Oh, Jesse opens the show. Says I've been to the Super Bowl. I've been to the World Series. I've even been to the Rolling Stone. But nothing's bigger than WrestleMania. So it's fun. You know, Jesse's final pay per view. He's selling it all the way. You know, good for him. All right, show proper. Coco Beware with Frankie versus Rick Martel. Uh, it's fun to hear that Coco Beware music to start. Do the bird, bird, bird. Yeah, yeah, and." Wisely, they put Rick Martel, you know, a Canadian from Montreal, not too far away. Uh, he wins the match submission with the Canadian crab. What's your? He's from Cocoa Beach, Florida, right? Okay, I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> the model Rick Martel is from Cocoa Beach, Florida. Yes. But I think Rick Martel um, is not. <laughs> no, no, he's. But uh, yeah. yeah, so so that was their opening contest. Uh, not much to, to speak of there. Coco can work, you know, but. Uh, yeah, fun yeah. match. Martel went after the head, which you can't do on Coco. Uh, you know, that was, that was, that's always the fun when you know, Coco has the strongest head in the yes. entire freaking world. Uh, yeah, Martel, uh, he's a year removed from uh, walking out on Tito, yeah. uh, starting this model uh, you know, team. And I don't think he had the arrogance yet at that point, but he had the, you know, the sweater going around his neck, if I remember correctly, and those, uh, like, those. I don't, is mint blue a color? It was like almost like a minty blue, like a you know. He had Americans just not the scent. Yeah, so it's, yeah, he had the he had the, the the model, the new model. So he was on his way. This was just uh, kind of part one of the way. I think uh, originally uh, he was managed by Slick. I think right at the separation, right. but he kind of he ventured away from Slick very quickly. Yeah. Um, after actually, this the Survivor Series was later on, but you know those were just slick guys with him. But they, it's yeah. So this, this was just baby model. Uh, before I honestly, I would say Martel, Martel would have been a great Intercontinental Champion. Um, you know, almost at the level of what Mister Perfect was. I think if you would have flip flopped those, I obviously I think Perfect would have been better, but only by like a, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so good great. choice on that. But Martel would have been a great you know heel Intercontinental Champion, especially with some of the feuds that he had going forward. You know, with Jake and Tatanka and all that. So yeah. one of the key um, feuds or not feuds of storylines or whatever coming out of uh, news, news items coming out of WrestleMania was Andre the Giant's status. Yeah. And uh, we, the next thing we see is an interview with the Colossal Connection. Gene Okerlund, of course, says the Colostomy Connection. Um, but uh, <laughs> Andre and Haku, they don't sell it. Bobby does. Uh, What's memorable for me after that is Andre saying, "We will eliminate them." Yep. So cool. then we yeah, get you. The just call us the Colossal Connection. What did you think I said? Never mind. They and it's all coming back to me now. So yeah. So they. Uh, yeah, this was Andre's last match, if I do remember correctly. And if, the one thing I said, I believe you did some kind of trivia with someone. I don't know. It was me. You brought it up. I remember I commented. Andre was never tagged in this match. Haku did everything. Yeah. Uh, Andre got in only to you know do the thing where he get the, the thing that he loved to do and get tied in the turnbuckles because it doesn't hurt his arms and he's literally sitting down, so <laughs> it's just you know it's it's easy for Andre to do it. But that uh, he never legally got in that match. That match was a two on one, and uh, before the Chicago Bulls made it cool, Demolition threw up a three peat. They did. Uh, I believe that was the first time. I, I could be wrong on that, but is that the first time any tag team champions has, uh, has won three time? Ooh, that I don't. Be a tough question. I don't want to, you know. Don't quote me on that one, but I don't recall anyone before them doing it. So. Oh no, they were the first to do that. Oh okay. Yeah. Um, 
Prior to the match, Axe says he's going to chop down the giant redwood. Smash says he's going to drive them off a cliff and watch them smash into smithereens. Mm-hmm. And then Axe finishes the promo by saying the only thing that's going to be left uh, from the wreckage is the metal that they're going to use to forge their new tag team championships, which they did. With, they used the Demolition Destroyer uh, to pin Haku. It was after Haku missed, uh, I think it was Axe, Axe moved out of the way. Haku hit the giant yeah. uh, with his crescent kick, which then led to the, de- the demolition destroyer. So, they, what, who are you to give that move a name? That move doesn't have a name. Somebody I'm, put it on Facebook the other day too. The demolition decapitator. That's not its name. It never had a name. Okay, well, it's the demolition destroyer on this show. No, it's, no, it's not. It's nothing. It's 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 it's, it's oh, what a maneuver! That's what it should be called. Fair enough. So after the match, Bobby the Brain screams at Andre, gets in his face, points his finger, slaps the giant. Yeah, don't do that. You don't do that. Andre paintbrushes uh, Bobby. Uh, he blocks a kick from Haku. Famously, uh, Andre missed the, the first slap to Bobby, and Bobby didn't sell it, so he got another one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Andre rides back all by himself as a baby face. And interestingly, uh, later in the evening, Mean Gene has an interview with Bobby. And Gene says, you're tougher to get along with than a mother-in-law on a weekend trip to my house. (laughs) To which Bobby says, you listen to me, you go to the top. You don't listen to me, you're never heard from again. And and the irony is, that is Andre's last match. Yeah. We do see him again, of course, but... But it was his last match, so you know Bobby's words kind of rang true a little bit. Yep. And he so, took Andre to the top two. I believe that is the only champion. I believe that was the only champion Bobby ever had. Bobby ever managed. Uh, I don't think a world champion. Basically, Hulk Hogan. If you want to put Jimmy Hart, that was his only champion. But they know the heel Jimmy Hart never had a champion. Slick never had a championship. Period. Uh, Fuji had a ton, so maybe you can you know, put Fuji as. But you know, Bobby got to the top with Andre, albeit for only five minutes. Yeah, Fuji had Demolition as the tag champs. Fuji had Yokozuna. So we're well, good. As world champion, though, yeah, he had Yokozuna for a long yeah. time, a lot longer than when Andre had it. Right. So uh, moving moving forward, we have the mighty, uh, the mighty Hercules versus Earthquake. But before we get to that, Earthquake has a promo and J- with Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy says, every scientist in the world has their eyes glued to the seismograph. They're predicting an earthquake, baby. And then... Earthquake gives his promo doing exactly what Al's doing now with bouncing back and forth. You're supposed to be mighty, but at the hands of the earthquake, even the strong, strongest buildings can crumble into devastation. Once you begin to feel the tremors, you'll begin to tremble in fear. So, John Earthquake a good promo. I always liked it. You know, Earthquake had a lot. Earthquake had some cool stuff to say. You know, yes, he, he, I liked Earthquake. There was only a four-minute, four 50-second match. Earthquake got a splash. For the win, plus an aftershock afterwards to seal the deal. So, her, uh, earthquake walks away. This uh, this WrestleMania will win. Yeah, and that's actually there's a very short list. It's going over. I sent you my spreadsheets, right? Because we're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff with statistics as far as WrestleMania goes. The four match win streak in WrestleMania history is something very few wrestlers have done, and only three wrestlers have gotten more than four. But Earthquake is on that list. He won his first four. WrestleMania matches. This was the first one he won at seven and eight and ten. And then unfortunately, 
the streak would have been alive. I mean, well, he's not, you know, unfortunately, Earthquake is no longer with us, but uh, he would remain undefeated. But the only loss that's on his record was that gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17, unfortunately. But he did chalk up. He didn't beat Earthquake at WrestleMania. He was uh, 4 0, other than that, uh, other than the battle royal. By win percentage, he's better than The Undertaker. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, 80%. I think Undertaker is more than 80%. Well, if you take out the battle royal, take out the battle royal, yeah, battle royal. But uh, Rona Barrett, she has an interview with Miss Elizabeth afterwards. Elizabeth says if she returns, she'll become more active. And that's basically the uh, the essence of the interview. And then we have this Brutus Beefcake situation that we were talking about earlier. Beefcake's plans to sever the perfect record of Mister Perfect at a pretty good clip. And. He does. Yeah. Jake used a slingshot and sent Perfect over the top rope. Perfect hit the turnbuckle post, and Beefcake got the win. In storyline, this was the first pin over Mr. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, the Perfect rather it was no more. He lost a couple tag matches. He lost the Royal Rumble, even though he played second that year. Uh, and I believe he was in the 89 Rumble, too. But, yeah, in a one-on-one, uh, he was perfect. And then uh, said, that slingshot into the ring post, which – Sold perfectly, just like everything Mr. Perfect did as far as, especially those turnbuckles. He flew out of those turnbuckles when he put his head into it. Yeah. Um, but the ring post, got, yeah, it got him. Uh, that, that, at that point in time, in 1990, that was the first time I've ever seen anyone hit the ring post. And the last for a while. I don't remember when they started making that a regular thing. But, uh, yeah, that, that, was what the, that was the move. And yeah. then, uh, you know, it's time for those, those Goldilocks to come out, right? You know, after a match? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that happened, though. No, you got the genius again instead. <laughs> we move to Roddy Piper promo. Now, this Roddy Piper promo is a bit infamous, and it doesn't hold up well. It didn't really hold well at the time, but here's here's the situation. Piper has half of his face painted black, and the idea is that the white side is hot Rod, and the black side is hot Scott. And it doesn't exactly age well, but I suppose the intent was something along the lines of the fact that the Scots would wear paint into battle. That's maybe the hot Scott versus the hot rod. There's also some stuff that Piper has said about Cindy Lauper and Nelson Mandela and, you know, trying true colors and all this stuff. I don't get that at all, <laughs> but um, there was something else to it, I guess. Yeah, you know what? When we did, I don't know if this is going to air before or after our, our thing with WrestleMania 19. It just seems like, you know, that when you brought it up with the Triple H Booker T feud, and I kind of, I had somewhat to defend it because that, I, I feel like the, the world championship shouldn't have been on somebody, the storyline wise with Hunter, the, you know, the, the championship, when he was saying you people, it was, you know, poor people from mm -hmm. the ghetto. It had nothing to do with Booker T's skin color. So I kind of, you can get around that at WrestleMania 19. I just can't. Yeah, you can't. I'm not going near this one. I can't defend Piper. I can't. I don't know what he was thinking. I know I can't imagine him intentionally trying to be racist. So here's but, the um, interesting. I, I have no idea. There's stories that go with this now. Apparently, Andre the Giant did something with the special solution that was required to take the, the paint off because this was a special paint that wouldn't come off when Piper sweated. 
Okay. So you have a special solution. Andre like dumped it out and put water in there. So <laughs> Piper has no way of getting this paint off, and he's. It took him. It took him like a month or more to get it off, and he only way he could do it was just like sitting in the sauna and scrubbing. He had to walk through the airport holding a four foot Mickey Mouse for his kid. This legend goes so <laughs> with this half painted black. So, uh, if there was ill in, ill intent, Piper paid for it. Yeah, I don't think it was. That's not who Piper was. That, that, that wasn't who uh, the 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 the, uh, the the not the character, but it wasn't who the real right. There was he, he was just trying to do maybe something creative. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to defend it. It wasn't you know obviously blackface is just completely wrong in every sense of the word. Um, and I'm sure I don't know how I didn't hear how bad news took. I just I don't want to go anywhere near this. To tell you yeah. the truth. I I can't. I don't. So let's this. let's go to the match. So you've got Piper yeah, and bad news. Um, further interesting things with Piper brings out a white glove as well. So some Michael Jackson reference in there. Yeah, it's a reverse Michael Jackson. Right? No, you have, no, no, Michael Jackson had the white glove. Yeah. So Danny Davis is having a hard time with these two guys. Eventually, they spill to the outside. Davis counts them out. They fight all the way to the backstage. And that's pretty much your match. So, yeah. So. Again, Bad News Brown, just, there's just no decisions in a Bad News Brown pay-per-view match, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He'll sneak a jobber with a ghetto blaster, but anytime he's on a pay-per-view, he's either getting counted out or he's, it's a double count out or it's a disqualification. Or well, He won the Battle just, Royal uh, at four. So. What's that? He won the Battle Royal at four. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, okay. Well, that's it. Okay. All right, so Steve Allen who was kind of like a, you know, his late night, late night host or whatever. He's in, he is in the back with Nikolai Volkov, Boris Zukov. They are going to practice, rehearse the Russian national anthem. So they're on location in the bathroom, which is funny because the Sky Dome is a brand new building. You think they would have some place other than a bathroom to put a piano? I guess not. So not, not if you're Steve Allen. No, that's perfect if you're Steve Allen. So Alan sings, I get no kick from Ukraine and some other false starts. And eventually he's finally warmed up. He's ready to play the first note in the Russian national anthem and somebody flushes the toilet. So, <laughs> so you know, Nikolai timed it perfectly for the, with yeah. the hay just to stop him. That was good. Yeah, fun. That was a fun, that was a fun segment. It was fun. It was fun. So that led to our match, the Hart Foundation versus the Bolsheviks. And we all got up and stood for the Russian national anthem as Nikolai Sen and, uh, but Nightheart went bananas. He attacked partway through. Uh, that basically started the match. Heart attack on Boris Zukov for the win, 18 yeah. seconds. Yeah, they didn't even get their jackets off. Nope. It was quick. I'm sorry, just with that, you know, even before the match, they were saying the Hart Foundation were challenging the tag team champions, whoever it was, Demolition or the, yep. the Colossal Connection. So uh, that was, a, you know, that was a nice little fun, you know, you know, looking at what happens later. You no know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but looking at you know, the timeline, that was actually it's they, they set it up, they set it up there. That was that was good. Yes, they did. Yeah, and they made reference to that several times that the Hearts were, you know, in line for those those title shots. Even when the Rockers wrestled later, um, all that stuff was was brought yeah. up. They announced WrestleMania Seven that was going to take place at the LA Memorial Sports Coliseum. Uh, that didn't happen. That's a whole other story. They are advertised on this show that there'd be a hundred thousand people. That didn't happen. That's a whole other story. Uh, we'll push that down the road. Yeah, yeah. We let Pritchard talk about that when he was there. Yeah. 
the Barbarian versus Tito Santana. Four minutes, 30 seconds. So uh, Tito hits the forearm, yeah. but Bobby's on the outside, and he puts the Barbarian's foot on the ropes. So the Barbarian survives that. Barbarian hits the clothesline from the top rope. Tito sells that thing so well. Yep. I mean, I mean, this is the greatest sell job on that move that I've ever seen. <laughs> Not to mention, Barbarian looked great doing that move. So yeah, yeah. Tito took uh, Tito knew how to took a beating. Um, yeah. The, the fun thing about this match, I guess, other than this was a part of uh, the all time, the opposite streak, the Tito streak, which is seven consecutive losses, which is still active technically. If you wanted to come back, it's it's, it's in jeopardy right now. Uh, two guys in Shelton Benjamin and R Truth at six, which are active. They're active wrestlers. So if they lose again, they're gonna tie Tito. But uh, the the fun thing I always you know recall about this match now, the, the barbarian like the powers of pain just split, and Mister Fuji sold the powers of pain. He sold the barbarian to Bobby Heenan, and he sold the warlord to Slick, so that Fuji could concentrate on the Orient Express. So that was a fun little. You didn't really see too many like trading and sell job whatever amongst managers. I remember they tried to sell Hercules. That didn't go over well uh, to the Million Dollar Man. But um, yeah, this was this happened really right before WrestleMania six because the Barbarian was still in his powers of pain yes. uh, get up and not the uh, the Barbarian with the you know that looked like Thunder or uh, Conan or whatever you want to. Yeah, and uh, and then the, the Jesse even said during the match when Bobby put the barbarian's foot on the ropes that he was protecting his investment. So they yeah. made reference to that contract being sold there. Um, we moved to dusty Rhodes and Sapphire. Dusty says they're missing what we got the crown jewel baby. And uh, so dusty and uh, Sapphire, they go to the ring. Of course, they're having a match with the macho King, Randy Savage and sensational queen Sherry and dusty gets to the ring he gets on the mic and he introduces the crown jewel. It's the first lady of the World Wrestling Federation. It's Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. So that was fun. That was a nice little surprise too. You know, it's it's we had her earlier in the show. We had her. Yeah, we hadn't seen her since the prior uh, WrestleMania. She wasn't there past uh, the Megas of Powers explosion. I don't think she was on past WrestleMania. I don't think so. Um, you know, she foreshadowed earlier that she was going to be more involved, and she was. She grabbed Sherry's hair through the ropes, and when she released, Sherry fell back. Sapphire with the schoolgirl pinfall victory. Yep. Liz, Liz, Dusty, and Sapphire got funky uh, doing, doing the Dusty dance, I guess. <laughs> we go to Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon with Rona Barrett. So this is some like light humor for adults if they're paying attention here. Yeah, yeah. I just caught this just now because I was looking for the Warrior interview because I wanted to definitely watch that before this. But yeah, I caught this too. This is just so she says she has a scoop on some X-rated material and she kind of just eyes up Jesse Ventura. And uh, they go away to something else and they come back and Monsoon and Ventura are standing there. And Monsoon says, I, I saw the footage. And he looks down at Jesse's pants and says, there wasn't anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hysterical. And, of course, I didn't get it until I watched it just now. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Okay, Mean Gene with Bobby Heenan. We did the mother-in-law thing. 
Uh, Macho King, she, he's back on stage with Sean Mooney. He says, suffering builds character. The crown jewel doesn't exist. So he is not done with that situation. And then Gene is with Demolition. He said, they say they beat the odds, but here comes the Hart Foundation, as you mentioned. Yep, and that's that's where they go into SummerSlam. And that was probably – it's a lot of people still hold that match. It's probably one of the greatest tag team matches in WWF history, plus one of the greatest matches in SummerSlam history. That's something that you, you watch every year, you know. I have now two promos. One's Hulk Hogan yep. and one's the Ultimate Warrior. I've got them written down verbatim. We're going to go through them. There's stuff to break down here. Hulk Hogan asks, do you want to live forever? And if your answer is yes, Ultimate Warrior, then breathe your last breath into my body. I can save you. My Hulkamaniacs can save you. We can turn the darkness that you live in into light. We can save all your little warriors with the training, the prayers, and the vitamins. But I got to prove one thing to all my Hulkamaniacs out there. It's not whether you win or lose. The only thing that matters is what kind of winner you are or what kind of loser you are. And the Ultimate Warrior... I sure hope you're a good loser, brother. What's she going to do in Sky Dome when the largest arms in the world and Hulkamania run wild on you? Interesting foreshadowing here. Again. Yeah. yeah. Now let me go to Warrior, and then uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about them both together. Warrior says he's with Sean Mooney, and he says to Sean Mooney, he starts by cutting a promo on poor Sean, you're nothing but a normal. You don't deserve to breathe the same air that Hulk Hogan and I do. So Sean's gone. Hulk Hogan, I must ask you now, as you asked me, do you, Hulk Hogan, want your ideas, your beliefs to live forever? For Hulk Hogan, in this mortal world physically, none of us can live forever. But the places you have taken the Hulkamaniacs, the ideas and beliefs you have given them can live through me, Hulk Hogan. That is why I breathe. That is why the warriors have come, Hulk Hogan. There are ones that question where you are taking them. Do you no longer want to walk or step into the darkness, Hulk Hogan? The darkness I speak of is nothing to fear. It is about the beliefs and accepting and all the challenges at the cost of losing everything, Hulk Hogan. You have lived, Hulk Hogan, for the last five WrestleManias for this one belief. Now, Hulk Hogan, I come to take what you believe in further than you ever could. I come, Hulk Hogan, not to destroy the Hulkamaniacs and Hulkamania. I come, Hulk Hogan, to bring the warriors and the Hulkamaniacs together as one. As we, Hulk Hogan, accept all challenges with all the strengths of the warriors and the Hulkamaniacs together. Hulk Hogan, the colors of the Hulkamaniacs are coming through the pores of my skin. When we meet Hulk Hogan, I will look at you and you will realize then that I have come to do no one no harm, but only Hulk Hogan to take what we both believe into places it shall never have been. <laughs> <laughs> a little upset that warrior didn't snort in that promo but whatever that's so here's what i'm getting out of this okay so hulk hogan clearly says it's not whether you win or lose it's whether you're a good loser and he hopes ultimate warrior is a good loser he's really saying okay i'm gonna be a good loser yeah yeah. yeah but let's look at hulk hogan before this now has hulk hogan ever been a good loser not typically <laughs> <laughs> no, like what? How did it, I loved WrestleMania for as much as the next guy? But you know, come on, you know, Hogan was pissed he lost, and he hit DiBiase with the chair. So sure. it was, and Ventura called him out. Ventura, this is why Ventura hates Hulk Hogan as much as he hates Hulk Hogan. He's the characters. Uh, it's just Hogan is you know when he when he got eliminated for was it the '89 Royal Rumble right? He got eliminated. And, oh, no, I'm sorry, the '92. 
He got eliminated, yes. got his panties in a bunch, and pulled Sid Justice out. You know, like it's just no Hulk Hogan. You should be saying this to yourself, dude. <laughs> like, well, let's let's hold let's hold for for a moment. Yeah, right. Let's, you know, he's mentally preparing himself for a loss. I think. Yeah. Now, the warrior on the other side, the warrior is giving a speech that <laughs> politicians give after they win an election, basically saying. All the Hulkamaniacs and the Warriors, we can live together, and Ali will take us, you know, take us further. But you know, we have more in common than we have, you know, different type of type of promo. He uses a lot of weird weird words to say it, but that's kind of what he's saying. And God, he must have said Hulk Hogan twenty seven times in that match. Oh yeah, yeah, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and it was and even not even that promo. See, the one I thought it was the Rocket Fuel one. And if you if you ever have or if you bought the the DVD, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. There's an extra on that. They showed it a little bit in the clip, but there's an extra on Christian doing the Ultimate Warrior's rocket fuel promo <laughs> before WrestleMania six, and it's two a T. It is absolutely amazing. But seriously, and, the, and to quote Chris Jericho in that same documentary, I have no idea what the Warrior just said, but it sounded cool. So yay! Yes, well, that's the whole thing with the Warrior promos. You almost have to slow them down and write them down. And reread them, and then you might understand them. They are, they are an interesting piece of literary uh, uh, literature to look at. Yeah, so. the one thing I did notice during the Warriors promo when I watched is, is that I'm not trying to kill Hulkamania. Like, who actually fights Hulk Hogan? Not trying to end this thing. You know, it's it's, yep. it's funny how they both kept the the, the good guy. You know, they're they're not trying to hurt each other. They're just trying to prove who's better, and then bring the other guy's fans over to him. You know, it's true, right? Because they have not at this point had a baby first, baby face first, baby face huge match like this. No. So um, the only thing, the heelish thing was the the Sean Mooney poor guy doesn't deserve to breathe the same breath that Hulk Hogan and I do. But well, that's but it's forgivable by the time you get to the end of the speech. Yeah. Maybe if if Sean Mooney said his prayers and ate his vitamins or something. Yeah, or so, yeah, or just drank rocket fuel. Right. <sighs> So uh, Orient Express versus the Rockers is where we go next. Seven minutes, 39 seconds. Janetti went after Fuji's cane on the outside. He got salt in the eyes. Janetti got counted out. Fuji. Fuji, yep. <laughs> and uh, let's just keep on rolling. Steve Allen's with Rhythm and Blues in the back. Honky reminds Allen of Elvis. Costello. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine says they're on the way to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Steve says, good, I'm going to call to warn them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan, my hometown guy, Glens Falls, New York. There you go. Versus oh. Dino Bravo. Four minutes, 14 seconds. Bravo, another Canadian. Yes. Earthquake grabbed Duggan by the ankle while the ref was dealing with Quake and Duggan situation. Jimmy Hart tossed the two-by-four into the ring. Duggan grabbed it. He used it on Bravo, got the pin, but Earthquake got the revenge. Uh, three Earthquake splashes. Wow. Yeah, Duggan, that's... And then, and then after that, we move into Jake Roberts, a promo that you can hear everywhere. He says to Dud DiBiase, you're a victim of your own greed wallowing in the muck of Everest. So that's a, that's a famous Jake Roberts pro. <laughs> yeah, like I said, me at 10 years old. Again, like, what, what is that? Yeah, I still had to look it up. Even now. Yeah, it is. 
Uh, we go Ted DiBiase versus Jake Roberts with Virgil. Uh, 11 minutes, 55 seconds. DiBiase and Roberts were both on the outside. Roberts drove them both into the post. So second post shot of the show, by the way. Mm -hmm. Virgil would toss DiBiase back in the ring. The ref counted Jake out. So kind of a sad ending there. DiBiase gets the win. But Jake comes back in the ring, hits DiBiase with the DDT. Virgil runs away with the million-dollar belt. Jake gives Ted's money away, stuffs some in DiBiase's mouth, but Virgil saves DiBiase before Damien gets out. Yeah, this, so this was, like I guess, if, if you look at this time, like, if you look at the 14 matches here, right? We said there was 14. Four, there was four, you know, there was the mega feud between Hogan, and then there was the, the three, like, upper echelon feuds yep. here, and this was one of them. You know, we, know we, had, we had this one, you had Perfect and Beefcake, and you had Savage and Dusty. So, like, so this was a big match. And they said Jake stole the million-dollar championship and put it in with Damien. So nobody was even going near that. So that was, you know, Jake's always been known for his brains here. Um, so, yeah, so it was just the way Ted DiBiase needed to get that belt back. You know, Jake didn't have to take the loss on a huge pay-per-view or take a pinfall or anything. Uh, you know, the count-out, it was the cheap way out. But you had those at WrestleManias back then, you know. Every WrestleMania up until that point had, you know, even after that, too, at WrestleMania 7, I think uh, Mr. Perfect got countered out in the Intercontinental Championship match. So yeah. it's like it's – these things happened back then because you didn't have the huge shows to set this up. Everything was on, you know, Jake versus the Jobber with a DiBiase promo or the DiBiase versus Jobber. You know, they didn't – there was no Jake versus Virgil to set this up on Raw the night before, you know. So you, you, they could get away with these countouts. Right. And uh, and DQs, but this was a huge feud. This was a big deal. Um, they were at they got at the Roman said It was one of the big four feuds that was going on back there, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a great pairing, and uh, you know DiBiase got his belt back, which was the the, the main point. Absolutely, yeah. And okay, so then we move from here to backstage again. We have another interview. This time it's the Slickster and Akeem, and there's this is a gem as well. So Slick is happy because Ted DiBiase got his belt back, and yep. now he's giving them a thousand reasons in advance to take out the big boss man. Yep. And Akeem says there are two things in this world that don't last very long, dogs that chase cars and law enforcement officers that won't take the money. <laughs> <laughs> boss man answers with a promo, says he's proud to wear the badge, proud to be an American. He doesn't take money from anyone. Yeah, this was the beginning. Fun. Yeah, this was the beginning of uh, uh, Baby Boss Man. The Twin Towers exploded. Yep. Oh, well, I'm sorry, too soon. Uh, the Twin Towers. Uh, they <laughs> forgot about that. I'm sorry. The tag team was called the Twin Towers, and they're not getting along. The Megas Powers exploded from the, That's where I took that from. I apologize if that offended anybody. That was an accident. Um, but they uh, former tag team partner. Yeah, I guess Ted DiBiase needed the Twin Towers for something. Uh, and boss man didn't want to get bought. All of a sudden, the big boss man, uh, he, he was too proud to, to take the money from Ted DiBiase. So now they, uh, they're going to go at it. And it, it didn't, it didn't last long. No. And, uh, so Akeem versus the boss man is the next match. Ted DiBiase didn't leave ringside. He was hiding under the ring or whatever. Yep. He, he tacks boss man on the outside before the match. Uh, eventually, Bossman gets in the ring. I don't ever even hear the bell ring to begin with. We go right into the match, but eventually, Bossman slammed for the win, and Big Bossman walks away from WrestleMania winner. Is there any doubt in anybody's mind that Jive Soul Bro was the best music back then? <laughs> 
I, I, mean, I don't think so, right? I mean, I still listen to it to this day. It's on. It's on my I shuffle thing. Okay, I'm lying. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have two more things to go before we get to the main event here. Rhythm and Blues. Dallas Page is driving his pink Cadillac to the ring with Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Valentine. They perform Honka 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 Love or Burden Love or something. Honka, honka. What? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. New that was their new single. It was a brand new single. The, other, the one before that had gone gold. That's why they were holding it up. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Honky Tonk Man's theme music. Yeah, his theme. Yep. Um, but the Bushwhackers were selling merchandise just outside the ring, and Honky said, oh, we're only selling rhythm and blues stuff here. So anyway, come turns into a little, deba little uh, debacle, and the Bushwhackers smash the guitars. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Neither of them had matches. Neither of them had a match, and that was just a fun way to get them on TV. You know, this was in place of a match. I'm sure. You know, if they didn't have a uh, story with Rhythm and Blues, they probably would have had a match that the Bushwhackers probably should have won if they if they walked out of here. So that was final match, the semi-main, Ravishing Rick Rude versus Jimmy <laughs> Superfly Snuka. Three minutes forty-nine seconds. Rude. Gets a rude awakening. Steve Allen's on commentary, commenting about how Superfly Jimmy Snuka is wearing his wife's underwear. There it is. <laughs> a bunch of stuff. So. That's the only thing that's relevant about this match. Other than that, it's a rude awakening and done. I like Jimmy Snuka because he's wearing my wife's underwear. <laughs> all right, I should mention um, at this point on all the all the WrestleMania episodes that we've that we've done so far, I always have what Dave Meltzer has said or what Wade Keller has said or, you know, whatever. I'm not able to get their archive newsletters, so I don't know. Um, I will say this. I know that the majority of the matches were low star ratings, and I think you can understand why they were all four-minute matches, countouts, and stuff yeah. like that. That's fine. They had a three-and-a-half-hour match uh, card. Uh, you know, Warrior and Hogan's gonna get its time, and everything else you got just gotta cram in there. They had two squashes, three squashes. You know, I mean, you know, matches that were under a minute. And then, uh, like I said, just with with this whole thing with with Rude and just go back to that for a second. Like this was Rude had nothing going on right now, and he was one of the best guys in the company. Yep. And they circled back to him and Warrior after Warrior won it, so that was fun to see. Then Rude cut the hair. And he was just all business, Rick Rude, and it was absolutely great. So Rude really had nothing going on in this. It was the same as a throwaway match to, to get him a win, but there was so much more to come with him, um, with the with the Warrior feud, with the cage at SummerSlam, and then I guess he went on the WCW after that. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, they got everybody on the show, just about right. I mean, yeah, even uh, the opening contest, the dark match was Paul Roma versus uh, the Brooklyn Waller. Yeah, the brawler, so had, right? yeah, so you had every, you had everybody. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of WrestleMania six. It is scheduled for one fall and it is title for title. Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Earl Hebner's the referee. They they come to the ring, they start shoving each other. Each of them gets a shove, right? Then they then they go to collar and elbow tie up. Warrior pushes Hogan into the corner. They come back do another collar and elbow tie up. Yep. Hogan pushes Warrior to the corner. They go for a test of strength next. So they line up for their Greco-Roman knuckle lock. Warrior puts Hogan down on his knees. Hogan fights back, puts Warrior down. Warrior comes back up. Hogan trips and drops an elbow. 
So they come back to their feet. They do the crisscross. Hogan slams Warrior. They do another one. Warrior slams Hogan. So we're like 50-50 all the way through. Like yeah. the first like five minutes of this match, you know, to, to sell the point that like these are, you know, the two biggest guys and they're, you know, going at each other and it's, you know. And they picked up right where they left off in the Royal Rumble where they clotheslined each other. They picked up right where they left off. Yep. Um, The evenness would end about this point because Hogan would go to the outside and he would start selling his leg and his knee and stuff is hurt. Um, We go back in the ring. They do a bunch of holds. And Hogan even goes for an inside cradle. The inside cradle. That Savage beat Valentine at four with an inside cradle. Flair beat... Terry Funk in Baltimore in 1989 with an inside cradle. But Hogan did not get a win here against the Warrior. So uh, we get the double clothesline that we talked about. Saw that rumble. Saw it back here. And when we go to the finish, it goes down like this. The referee is down. Warrior misses a shoulder tackle. Hogan covers, but no ref to make the count. Warrior hits a suplex. Again, no ref. Warrior would hit the gorilla press slam and the splash. One- Two, Hogan kicks out. Hogan hulks up. The famous sequence, one punch, two punch. I was crying. Punch. Hogan tosses Warrior into the ropes. He hits the big boot, and he goes, and he drops the big leg, but Warrior moves. Warrior bounces off the, rib, the ropes, hits the splash. One, two, three. Ventura shouts, he got him. <laughs> That's the call. Yeah. That is the he call. Got him. Unbelievable! I, I said I was watching. I said I was ten, and I I just saw the warrior because warrior had a Hulk up too. You know he yeah. if you want, it wasn't called the Hulk up back then. The warrior had his thing where he couldn't be, he was impervious to everything, and he used his early. And I remember talking strategy with my friend back then. I'm like, oh, warrior's got to save his till after you know Hogan uses his. So you know I'm just I'm trying to think of ways to beat Hulk Hogan because it's never really been done. At least I that I thought that I've seen he was unbeatable. Right, and uh, he's Warrior used his early, and then Hogan started hulking up. I'm just like, oh no, oh no, and then it just, oh my god, he moved, oh my, you know, and then just me and my buddy, we we just went absolutely nuts, and it was, it's like I said, that the sequence at the end, and Hogan presented him with the belt, and Warrior hitting both turnbuckles, the turnbuckles with both belts. Uh, it's just something that is just going to live with me forever as one of my favorite moments. Like that was just the, my, my childhood, you know, memory. Like that was, it was absolutely incredible. So Hogan rolls out of the ring. He grabs the WWF championship belt. He brings it back in. He presents it to the warrior, which brings us back to his words. It's not whether you win or lose. The only thing that matters is what kind of winner you are and what kind of loser you are. And I think the, the warrior was gracious in victory Hogan, in this situation, gracious in defeat. And then you go to the Warriors' words. You know, uh, I can't really pick some out, but I guess <laughs> he comes to he comes to bring the Warriors and the Hulkamaniacs together as one. Um, and Venturis, uh Gorilla says, Hogan took one more one giant step towards immortality. Ventura says, I do believe Hulkamania will live forever. So they're they're trying to rebound Hogan to build him back up yeah. before he's even out of there. Uh, and this dome full of fireworks, warrior celebrating in the ring, as you said, with the belts up. And for Jesse Ventura to say that, and what, I don't know, was that the last thing he ever said as a commentator? Ooh, I do believe Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, will it? That's a big turnaround from somebody 
who has hated Hulk Hogan for the prior 10 years before this, uh, to finally admit it's almost like, you know, the full, full circle, you know, is like, it's, I do believe Hulkamania will live forever. Yeah. And, uh, and the interesting thing is this is Ventura's last pay-per-view. He did do some other stuff, but after this, but yeah, but yeah you're right. That's probably the last commentary line or one of the last two anyway. Yeah. Made on pay-per-view for WWF. So very interesting. Yeah, uh, and uh, just funny, just to reference a couple things here, you know, it, it leads me to believe that uh, that Christian was a huge Warrior fan, considering you can do that Rocket Fuel promo. Where Edge was the biggest Hulk Hogan fan there was. Yes. Apparently, Edge, I want to say maybe Christian too, but Edge was definitely in attendance at the Sky Dome as a kid. Oh, bro. Yep. Yeah, and he referenced this match yes. in his promo at WrestleMania 24 when he was going to fight The Undertaker. I'm sure you talked about that with Travis, yes. but he's like, that day, my innocence was plucked, and now I'm going to do the exact same kid thing to every kid that's in the audience now when I beat The Undertaker. I'm like, oh, my God, way to, way to turn that around. At that point in time, I'm like, all right, go get him, Edge. Kill him. You know, let's go. Let's do it. You know, like, <laughs> well, Edge didn't win either. <laughs> no, Edge didn't win either. Yeah, he's falling right in the So, Al, the main question is, does this WrestleMania hold up? I, I'll be back. I'll, I'll, this no, it doesn't. It's not. It's not. It's nothing. This is nothing great. But this is what it, it was at the time. It was great. Yeah. So it doesn't hold up now. The wrestling is so much different nowadays. Now you have the shows to build up the stories. There were matches here. It was just it was Rude and Snooka or Martel and Coco. They just threw them together. Tito and the Barbarian. But that's what they had to do. They had to get everybody on the cards. So, now this it, it unfortunately doesn't hold up. But that doesn't mean it wasn't great. I'll be honest, you know, I, I agree with you. The wrestling doesn't really hold up, but man, Gorilla and and, uh, and Jesse, they are such a good soundtrack to this yeah. show. They really built on the, the drama, especially when you get into the ultimate challenge. You could almost, you could, you could not watch it and you could put it on and just listen to them talk. And it, it's great in that way. So um, like you said, it doesn't hold up against like today's style of wrestling and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, the finishes that you want to see, but you're probably going to have a good time if you go back and watch it. Yeah, definitely. It's, especially, like I said, I was ten. Like I, and and that's the thing with you know, you know, people don't you know nowadays they everything's not the attitude arrow. Everything's not the golden arrow. You know, things aren't what, what they were when you were a kid because your mindset's changed. You know, like it, it's so it, it's going to be different. But it's still it just it'll bring you back to when you yes. were when wrestling was real. When you fought <laughs> the big boss man actually was a corrections officer and he wrestled on the weekends as a side job wait that's you know true. like it's really it's just it, it was it's just so much fun and, and that in that point of view like i said no hogan where it was it came in i had it at number 10 on my top 30 famous was it great no they were in a bear hug for about five hours they were in uh the the, the gregor Hill for five hours you know you know it dragged but it, 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 when you were watching it as a live, as a ten year old, or as a kid, or whatever, it was just so exhilarating. And to have the two baby faces, the two championships, everything was just unprecedented at that time. So um, it'll always go down. It'll, it was great, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 is, it, is it now? Is it Ricochet versus AJ Styles? No, not even close. Yeah, yeah. But that's our show. Uh, that is WrestleMania six for us. Um, before we get out of here. I do want to tell people, as I do with every every show, go watch the Primetime Rundown every Friday night at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. 
Join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Friday nights for the primetime rundown. They take you through the world of sports. Again, that's 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And then we also have the Essential Wrestling Podcast. It is It airs every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Al is the host. I'm there along with John DeCani and John Smith and Gary Mahaffey. They take you through the week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Again, coverage 6 p.m. on Tuesdays on the Eastern Observer. And then this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We took a break today to do this WrestleMania special. We had a great time doing it. Um, but we are here every day, Monday through Thursday uh, at 10 a.m. And I hope you're enjoying each and every one of these WrestleMania specials because there are more to come after this. Al, any final thoughts on WrestleMania 6? It's, it, again, it was, it was just everything. It, it, it's, it's funny. You know, just do a sports reference here. You know, you know, the Cubs fans, they had to wait forever. The Red Sox, you don't think it's ever going to happen. You know, I, the, New, the, the New York Islanders, they haven't even seen a division championship since 1985. You just think. But when, so when these moments and these things, like when the Warrior beats Hulk Hogan, and you're the 10-year-old kid, like you get to experience this as a fan. It's just something that you'll never forget. And I'm happy I got to do it. And I'm happy. And like I said, it just hooked me more onto the Warrior. And then he had a great feud with Rick Rude, a great match at SummerSlam in a steel cage. And then, you know, eventually he lost it to Sergeant Slaughter, and I cried. <laughs> yeah. What is that? I was 11 at that time. I grew up, you know, obviously I was a year older, but I, I, I cried at the Rumble. That was, that was hard. WrestleMania 6 is one of the special ones. So I uh, hope everybody's enjoyed it, and we will catch you next time.